Welcome to IDP Real Talk, where we discuss real stories, real experiences, and what it's really like to be living in Australia. I'm Prachi, your podcast host and a past international student, and I'm here to help you thrive in Australia. In today's episode, we talked to Divyangana about her journey becoming Victorian International Student of the Year, her experience working in healthcare, and being an advocate for mental health. I'm so excited to have you on this podcast, especially because there's so many students who want to know about your journey and such an inspiring journey, I have to say. So tell us a little bit about your journey from India and how you got to where you are. Uh, thanks, Prachi. Thank you for having me. Um, oh, journey from India. So uh, it, it looks like it's been ages, but it's only been, what, like a little over three years. So um, I did my grade 12 in India and then... Uh, as a lot of Indian students, the pathway was either engineering, medicine, law, you know, very, very broad. And uh, for me, it was medicine. So I, uh, this exam called NEET, I took a gap year for NEET exam, which is an entrance exam to get into med schools in India. So I gap, took a gap year for that, uh, took two gap years actually for that, uh, preparing for the exam, giving the exam got into, uh, passed the exam, but then, you know, there are a lot of hurdles. Um, another story, yeah. but uh, my dream of medicine was like, okay, this is not happening here. And we looked into a lot of options. And honestly, Australia has been a dream country for me since I would say uh, the first time I visited Australia to visit my uncle was in 2011. And I think since then, I, I do remember saying to my uncle that one day I'm going to come and study here. And uh, it was just stuck there, you know, like no matter what happens, no matter what I do, I want to come and study. And study abroad dream was just like born there. So when the dream of medicine was sort of not happening, uh, we looked into another pathways and uh, healthcare has always been sort of my area of interest. Got to know about how amazing the amazing uh, and nursing programs are in Australia with the, you know, top class facilities and that give you actually real life experience before you're put into hospitals. So um, it did help that my aunt is also a nurse. So her experience was the first time experience and uh, we got into it and uh, I started applying. And then in 2020, I arrived here, which for some of you might realize is uh, the year of pandemic. So I honestly landed uh, three weeks before the pandemic. We went into lockdown and yeah, that was the start of my journey. Yeah, oh my God. And in the middle of the pandemic, like what a time to be here. And Melbourne being Melbourne, one of the most locked down cities in the world, that must have been quite an experience for you. It was. Uh, nothing prepared me for it. So in my head, I was like, okay, Divya, you're going to Melbourne. And Melbourne's honestly like a New York City, but in Southern Hemisphere to me. So it was like, oh, you're going to Melbourne, you know, the coffee, you're going to be sitting in cafes and studying all those YouTube vlogs that I used to watch. It was like, I'm going to live that dream. What was I doing? I was doing online classes at my desk. My morning walk used to be from my room to my kitchen to get a cup of coffee and wave my uncle and aunt good morning. And that was the only social interaction. So nothing really prepared us for what we got into. And honestly, when I was boarding the flight to come to Melbourne, I remember the air hostesses were handing out masks and I was like, um, what, what is happening? Why are we? And then I had no idea what, wow, 
journey it would come into. But yeah, it, it was a unique, unique. Nobody would have yeah. prepared. For I'm us. so glad that's way behind us and the cafes are back open. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh, I love that. Um, So jumping to you becoming the International Student of the Year for Victoria. What was that remarkable achievement like? What did you... What did you what did you do to get to that level? Because I'm sure a lot of students are like, oh, my God, this is such an achievement. Can you share a bit about your story behind this recognition and the impact it has had on you? Uh, Definitely. So being the Victorian International Student of the Year, first of all, was definitely not something I expected when I walked into the room that day. I was very content with the fact that I'm a finalist. I told my family I'm still going to get, um, you know, some monetary uh, uh, achievement to that. And I'm going to book a flight to India and that's going to be it. I was like, next year, I'm going to apply again. And that was my plan when I walked into the room. But I had no idea how it would change my life. Honestly, it changed my life in the sense my future goals were all over the place now. And I was sitting there, I was like, what do I do next? But uh, honestly, it was a rec- remarkable moment for me to be recognized for the hard work that all international students do, all the international students that were celebrated that in that room that day and that are celebrated every year is a testament that, you know, they do contribute to the Victorian community, the Australian community a lot and how much they bring to the international education for me, it was uh, interesting because um, so I was the International Student of the Year at Homesland Institute where I study. And my mentor actually helped nominated me at my institute. And she was the one who motivated me after my after I won that Divya, you know, now's the time we go for Study Melbourne Awards. And um, so I was like, oh, do you think? But, you know, looking over to the past winners and finalists, and the things that they have done, I was like, I don't think I have that solid, uh, you know, application to put together. And she was like, Divya, you never know. Let's just go and do it. And um, I take inspiration from a lot of international students in Melbourne. And uh, I remember uh, one of them in, in, in an interview, she said, uh, just like apply for things. Don't worry about the outcomes. And this is something that's close to my heart because I grew up with my dad saying, just, you know, do the do the work don't worry about the fruits so I was like okay you know what a lot of people are sort of putting that um faith in me and I need to be a little bit faithful to myself as well and I applied for it I was shortlisted I was like oh good you know this is this is great so I do have something inspirational I have done I have contributed to the community and um when I was fine I was a finalist I was like cool next year we are going for it again I'm gonna win it they announced my name and I honestly, if they had a video recording, I looked at the MC. I was like, are you sure you want to give me the oh award? Oh my God. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. The person next to me was like, Yo, congratulations. Like, oh, now I get up and go. And the first thing I said to my family was like, what just happened? <laughs> and my uncle was in tears. My aunt was in tears. They were the two people standing right at the back, just cheering for me. And it, it just made me believe that no matter what your journey is, no matter what sort of contribution you do to the community, it is valuable, it is meaningful, and you should, you know, just put that little faith in yourself. And honestly, I am surrounded with people 
were always pushing me and always forcing me to believe, you know, the journey that I'm on is valuable to the community. So, you know, it, I know a lot of international students um, are in that space where they question that. Yeah. And it is important that even if one person suggests you to do it, just do it. You know, what, what worse could happen is that you are shortlisted and not the winner, but that's going to motivate you to keep applying and keep pursuing that dream. Um, and maybe maybe your luck might be like me, that you're like, oh, there you go, you're the winner. <laughs> that is such a good point. I love that you mentioned it's so important to have that tribe, to have that support, you know, when you're here. Like, be in, amidst, like, all these people who love you and want to support you and, and uh, want to want the best things for you in your journey. And I'm so glad that you have that oh, here. You. Your yeah. friends and family and your mentor all have been a part of this journey. Absolutely, 100%. I yeah. love this. I love this. I I know that you're not only a nursing student, but also a nurse at the moment. How did you get your first, I want to understand from um, a few years ago, how did you get your first internship and your first part-time job? Because that is so important and I feel like Students who are new here are like, is that even important? How do I get it? If, if I do look for it, how is this going to happen for me? Uh, definitely. So I am an enrolled nurse uh, in an emergency department. And uh, as amazing as it has been, uh, emergency department requires, uh, it is a very fast paced environment. And it gave me an opportunity to apply my clinical skills that I've been learning uh, during my education to actually put that into real life practice. But it didn't just happen overnight. It was so like I mentioned, I came in Feb 2020 and like any other international student, once I was settled into my, you know, uni life, the first thing I did was to look for a part time job. And I was applying everywhere that I could hours and hours on Indeed and Seek and just like looking for job, no experience, just applying everywhere. Uh, I did not get a job for like six months, first six months. I couldn't because we were in a lockdown. Every place that I could have worked, they were all shut down. So it was really a struggle to find a job because I, I had no experience that I could just work from home. Mm. And um, so it was a struggle. I So many meltdowns. I, I did have a lot of meltdowns where I was like, you know, I don't want to depend on my family that I'm living with. And I also want to, you know, do something else apart from just online classes, at least have some social interaction. Definitely. Um, so and then that's where the COVID testing sites started and they were doing drive through tests. Yeah. And they needed, um, you know, COVID screeners and all these new jobs that came up. And uh, honestly, when can why can you ask for experience when this is the first time we were going through this? Mm -hmm. So my first ever job was working as a COVID tester and a COVID screener in hospitals and in aged cares. Uh, I did patient specials in aged care. So I started working for an agency. So how it works in healthcare is you can sign up to be a part of an agency and you have a control of your roster. Like, you know, you see, oh, a shift has popped up and you can just pick up the shift. If it's close to you, convenient for you, the time is working out, just pick up the shift, you go. Um, and yeah, so I did a lot of a COVID, uh, COVID related shifts and, uh, it wasn't just like five or four hour shift. It used to be, okay, nine to 13 hours. I remember working in a drive through for 13 hours and, uh, I am such a short hearted person and all these big cars were coming. I was like, hi, you know, can I do your COVID test? <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was quite interesting and funny because 
honestly, you know, people, I've heard a lot of people in healthcare talk about, oh, you know, this is what we used to do pre-pandemic. This is how the life would be. But for me, it was pandemic and post-pandemic. And now I can compare my experience. For me, I never worked in healthcare. I just came to study and I started working and it was in the pandemic. So, you know, from struggling for the first six months and then diving into as one of the frontline workers was interesting. But honestly, it prepared me, I don't know, prepared me for the worst, I think. I am prepared to go out and be a part of the community, you know, the workforce. It won't scare me. I know what to do. We are prepared. I'm, we are, the PPE donning and doffing is so drilled into our minds now that it's like, you know, second nature to us. You know, I can do it. I honestly, when I'm at work, I'm donning PPE and I remember that we used to have someone called PPE spotters who would watch you put it on. So make sure that you're not breaking the sterile uh, field and, you know, you're not breaking uh, that that step. There's There are specific steps to it. And now when I see it's like, oh, you know, let's go in. And uh, people ask me, uh, you know, how was it? I was like, it was great because... Like anyone else, their first job experience, for me, it was this. If I had done something different, it would have been um, something to compare with. Yeah. Um, my job at Epworth started off with, so as a lot of institutions and universities, uh, they do what is called a fellowship program. So they do a tie up with a certain hospital and you do all your clinical placements with them. So for a nursing degree, you require certain clinical hours to complete as a part of your semester. So um, I applied for the fellowship program with Epworth and I had no idea what it was. I asked my aunt and she was like, oh, this looks actually really good and just apply for it. I had no idea what a fellowship meant and I applied for it and then I started my research. I was like, oh, so I get to do all my placements with them. But then there are a lot of questions like, oh, but I won't get any other experience with other hospitals. I'm just going to be with one hospital for the most of my journey. Mm -hmm. But then now that I look at it in a way that I'm really glad because because of the pandemic, a lot of places did not um, take students Mm -hmm. to do clinical placements because they wanted to limit limit the number of people that were coming into the uh, hospital. So they stopped and that because of that, the semester got delayed. So you couldn't finish your graduation on time. So I did diploma of nursing before doing bachelor's. That's how I'm an enrolled nurse. Um, And I was able to finish my placements on time because of the fact that I was a fellowship student and Epworth had the whole responsibility. They got us during the pandemic. They made sure that we finished our clinical placements. So Touch wood, honestly, I was able to finish my graduation on time and now my bachelor's on time because wow. I, was, I was able to transition from diploma to bachelor's and uh, and have my fellowship stay with me. Lovely. So, so that fellowship really worked out for the best. It did. It did. And, um, you know, I got my first job. They were like, you are a nursing student with us and we would love to, you know, just train you up right now. So that's how I got a job at the emergency department, which is unreal because... I'm the only enrolled nurse at the department at the moment. For them to put that faith in me yeah. and not have that prior experience, but for, for them to put that faith in me was because of the fellowship. And I I thank so much for the fact that I actually applied. And now every time I meet international students who are studying nursing, I'm like, apply for the fellowship. 
apply. It doesn't matter what hospital, apply for the fellowship. That's exactly what I was going to say. This is going to be so helpful just to understand the process and what yeah. you've been through. And I feel like this is going to be so helpful, especially for nursing students to understand, the, you know, how do they get to the next step for sure. So um, has your experience in healthcare influenced your studies and your perspective as an international student? Uh, definitely, um, especially while studying in the pandemic and working in the frontline workforce, uh, it has changed a lot. Uh, I give small things like sitting sitting in a cafe and sipping your favorite coffee so much meaning now that I didn't get to do it as I thought I would. And now it, it feels such a luxury that, you know, I have that opportunity to sit down sip a cup of coffee or a nice hot chocolate and look out, you know, the, to the amazing Melbourne views that you can get. Uh, it, and I think the word that is used very commonly after the pandemic is the word resilience. I know it's overused a lot, but I do resonate with it that it has put me, you know, in, in a place where I was able to do a lot of things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Sitting at home didn't only mean that I was doing online classes. I didn't have a part-time job. So I had a lot of time to do things that I love, like read, write. So I started my own blog. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not doing anything. Um, and that's how I got into volunteering for, you know, international student magazines as a copywriter. So those things really did change the way that I envisioned my journey and it gave me a pathway completely different to what I imagined and it came to a point where I was just figuring out as I go. I'm someone who likes to plan my life with my Google Calendar, my planner, everything I can see. But now I am someone who is like, okay, I have that, but I also want to go with the flow, just figure out to, you know, take my time, put myself as a priority as well, that it is important that I look after myself it's very common that international students sort of put that pressure on themselves that you're in a new country, you've put a lot of time, effort and money to come here, you have left your family, your friends, your comfort behind, you're here, you need to make most of it. 100% I agree, but also you came here for a new start, so give yourself a little bit break, give yourself, you know, uh, a treat that my friends and I use a lot is treat yourself. Um, like I finished my exam this morning and uh, everyone was like, you know what, this is the time to treat yourself. So I love that phrase. You know, we, we get focused so much into making the most of it. We forget that why are we doing this is for ourselves. And if we are not happy in the process, what is the point of it? Absolutely. And there's so many things that I like in there. I love your initiative on like looking for a volunteer position, for instance, and not just, you know, um, not just thinking, OK, well, when, you know, it's this pandemic's gone, then we're going to start looking for an opportunity. It really is seeking out those opportunities and making sure that you have something that you're engaged with the community and, and you have something to talk about with your potential employers. So I love that. I do want to talk about, you know, given your diverse range of activities and accomplishments so far, how do you manage your time and stay motivated? I feel like that would be so important for students to understand. How do you do this? Um, to be honest, uh, I have my days where it looks like I have everything together. I have everything put together. But then there are days when I'm looking at my calendar and I'm I walk away. And I sit down and I have my meltdown. So, and it also, I've, I, I love watching, you know, day in my life videos. I love watching how people prioritize things and organize their life. And over the period of 
years that I have been studying or, you know, sort of multitasking, I realized it's not one size fits all kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Something that works for me might not work for you. And, um, you know, I used to judge people a lot where they would say, oh, assignments due on Sunday, I'll just start on Friday. I was someone who was prepared with everything together. And now at to the point towards the end of the semester, it really came to the point where I was someone who was like, what? It's only Friday. It's just Sunday. I have so much time. So again, you know, you never know what works out for you. But something that I would really highlight is, and I tell all my friends this as well. They question me as well that how do you do so many things? It's priority. Prioritize what's important. And... Um, and, you know, put the small task away to do it over the course of time. So I look at my week and I see, oh, okay, this assignment's actually a priority. So I would give the po maximum portion of my week to that. Thinking, you know, international students are working, volunteering, they've got other commitments. So you really need to prioritize your task. Um, if you list everything down, it would look very overwhelming. So put the small task away, you know, delegate the tasks that you can. That's when your group of people come together. You know, if there's someone who can do something for you, if someone, you know, if you're living in a shared house and someone else is doing, going to do your grocery, their grocery, sorry, um, just ask him, oh, you know, can you get that milk for me, please, you know. And honestly, it, w it, it would save you half an hour yeah. to an hour. Yeah. So you know, prioritizing and delegating tasks is really, really important. And I believe that if you plan everything out, now I'm not saying be that be be the person like me who's got a color coded coded <laughs> Google calendar. Uh, oh, I am so proud of my Google calendar. No, you don't have to do that. You're just like, okay, if I've got work on that day, how I can you know sort of push other tasks around it. You know, you sort of start learning how to work around it. And um, and and seeking support, you know, if you are failing behind um, in doing in completing those things, there's no shame in saying, hey, you know what? Um, I thought I would be able to do it, but I can't. Is it OK if I have a couple of days more? Um, and even uh, university and institutions, if you have a valid reason uh, of why, you know, you can't complete that commitment, you can ask for extensions and things like that. Yeah. So it's really important that you ask for help rather than I can do it. I was there first two years of my experience. I was like, can do attitude. I'll do it all. Yes to everything. But over time, I realized, you know, it's okay to say no. Yeah. Be like, no, my plate's full at the moment. Yeah. Um, I can't. And this is what I did during my last final semester. As I, I said a no to a lot of opportunities. And this is coming from someone who has a major FOMO living in Melbourne, there are so many things happening, especially in the international student community. I had to say no to a lot of things. Um, and I did when I went on social media, I was like, oh, it would have been so good to be there. But then when I felt content and relaxed, that's when I was like, okay, this is the feeling I did it for. Mm. So it's really important that you say no to things that you can't handle. And it's okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of other opportunities would come up again. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's so many hidden gems in there. And it, it's saying no in those moments where you need that time is so important. Now, I feel like this is the perfect segue for my next question, which is mental health advocacy. You're, you know, it's a huge part of your life. How did you become passionate about this? And what actions have you taken to promote mental health? 
Um, so my passion for mental health uh, has been has been there for a very very long time. It only needed some time, space, and people for me to actually do something about it. So, as we know, I come from a country that still looks at mental health, unfortunately, as a stigma. Um, in saying that, there are conversations that are arising now. You know, the generation now is really taking those social media platforms to talk about things. Obviously, you have to look out before getting too deep into it. But the conversations are starting because when I was uh, a pre-med student, you know, studying for the entrance exam into med schools, I was socially isolated because all my friends were in different cities and uh, my day-to-day life had one routine, go to the classes, come back, study, do mock tests. And I was so socially isolated and I knew I was going through something, but I didn't have a name for it because we never talk, we never talk about it. And I remember saying to my parents that I think I need to talk to someone. At, at that time, I thought I need to talk to a career counselor because this career is not working out for me. Um, I'm putting in the hard work. I am doing, you know, I'm being faithful to myself, but I'm not getting that result. Yeah. And uh, my da- I remember my dad saying, oh, you're trying to find an excuse to not study. Uh, go, go back and study. Go for a walk and you'll be fine. So I was like, oh, maybe I am, you know, it, because I really didn't th- know what to think. Um, at that time, I was like, OK, you know, we'll just keep going. But once I started talking to other people, I realized I'm not the only one who felt this way. And it is really important for people to start talking so that we can normalize it, you know. I don't come from a mental health, uh, you know, clinical background. I've only done mental health as a part of my studies and only worked for, you know, four weeks. So I don't have that, ex- you know, clinical experience to give advices, but I can be someone to initiate the conversation for people to understand they're not alone. Because when I had conversations with my friends, uh, you know, real conversations about this is how I'm feeling, they said, actually, I felt that too. And I realized so much we keep within ourselves and we don't realize others are going through the same thing. And, you know, just having that conversation gives you uh, that feeling you're not alone, you know, everyone. Yeah. And, and sometimes knowing that others are going through, have gone through similar things, give you a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. you know, something we call trauma bonding. And uh, that's when I realized it is important that we talk about these things. Uh, maybe, you know, this is where we end that cycle of, you know, my parents didn't talk about it, so I won't either. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up with the resources, so why should others get it? So that sort of mentality and cycle has to stop. Yeah. And that's when I started my blog during the pandemic. I started writing about my mental health experiences, uh, giving giving the, you know, the details about, you know, I am someone who's very anxious in a lot of situations and it, I might come across an extrovert or Divya goes out and talks to people and she can network. But the amount of self-talk and, you know, the amount of overthinking that's going in my head, that's hidden from the world. So I'm like, no, 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 it might come across that. But, you know, I have to stand outside before going into a you know, room full of people and tell myself you can do it. So those kind of things. So I started writing about that. And then I got the opportunity to, you know, write for an international student magazine, which is Meld Magazine. Uh, it stemmed a lot of opportunities from there. 
unfortunately, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't uh, for me to keep going because of studies. And now I had a job and everything. So I didn't. I don't do my blog anymore. But then I was like, oh, you know what? I still want to keep doing it. I still want to keep talking about it. And as much as I appreciate the platforms that I've been given through in my institute, you know, through Study Melbourne to talk about these things, I really wanted something of my own. So that's when I started my podcast. It's 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 called Unwind with Divya, and it's just me talking about things from a South Asian perspective, things that I know and I think are very similar to what other international students from similar background go through. And I the only the only idea is for to create a space where they can feel relatable. They can think, okay, you know. This is what I feel too. And by no means I'm forcing people to go and seek therapy and, you know, go seek clinical um, advices. I only want to, I my goal is that we get to a point where we don't hesitate in saying, I'm having a bad day. I don't want to do this. And this is, there's still such a big taboo in saying that, you know, I want a day off where I do nothing, where people are like, well, how's that going to help? It does help laying in your bed reading your book, scrolling through your phone might not sound a perfect advice, but it does help. And I want people to be, and especially international students, coming back to my point where we put so much pressure on ourselves, we're like, we have to work, we have to pay for, we have to pay rent, utilities, you know, we have that pressure that we want to treat our family, treat our parents, our siblings, that we like work, study, you know, hustle, that hustle um, mindset. Uh, it, it is really good. And if it works for you, it's amazing. But it is okay if it's not working out and you're like, you know what, I just want to take a day off. Yeah. And that's what I've been, you know, sort of reinforcing to international students. Take a day off. It's okay. Life will still be there when you get back. It's okay if you take a day off. Absolutely. I agree with you and on all of what you just said. And I also want to normalize talking about mental health for sure. I feel like if you could go to a specialist for any physical ailment that you might have, why not? You want to talk about something that you're going through in your mind and you feel like, hey, I don't feel so good about this. It's really as simple as that. Um, And I love what you're doing for mental health. And I and I really wish you all the best with everything that you do in the future. And students should tune into your podcast for sure. Thank you. Um, In your opinion, what are some of the unique challenges that international students face and what advice would you offer them? Um, again, even though we come from different backgrounds and we have different stories of coming to Australia, there are a lot of things that, you know, we uh, go go through that are very similar. And in, in broader terms, they look like accommodation issues, finding a job and, uh, you know, socializing, making friends, those kind of things. But I think if you're in... Melbourne, you're in such a great place with so much support that if you ask someone, they will guide to you, guide you in the right direction. And um, by no means I'm advertising any organization, but you know, like study Melbourne. Um, if you wanna if you're having issues with accommodation, if you're having issues with, you know, um, so making friends even, go to their website. They have resources there. Your institution, wherever you're studying, have those kind of resources where they will help you. There is a jobs board on your university, um, you know, community page and things like that, where they've created a lot of jobs and they're like, okay, you know what, I can apply for here. I can apply a job here. If you 
um, join a lot of international student uh, groups. I know there's one on Facebook where some people actually put out jobs and they would be walking on the street and like, oh, hey, I saw this job ad. And um, and you can just post your experience and what you've done and somebody will reach out. So this is, if you look at it from outside, it might seem like a big, big group. But when you get into the international student community, it is a small structured and close-knit community where you would see the same people, same people helping out, same organization, providing resources, and people actually will guide you. All you have to do is ask. Literally, all you have to do is ask and ask anyone and absolutely everyone. Go out to the amazing events that are happening all the time. And if you say to someone, hey, I know my name is like, my name is this and I'm an international student. Somebody in the crowd might hear you say international student and be like, I'm an international student too. And you, would, you wouldn't believe the amazing way you make friends. And I have so many friends from international student community with different backgrounds. And when I look at how I met them, it's like through volunteering role, through being an ambassador, through being in an event that we went together. And now we, uh, you know, we are friends. So again, all you have to do is ask. I love that this is like the education state and like the perfect way that you describe exactly. it. <laughs> uh, a shout out to our Facebook page called IDP International Students in Australia, where students are looking for accommodation, as you said, jobs as well. Amazing place for that. I do want to talk to you about your future plans and aspirations because students who are following your journey would want to know about that. So what are your plans, Divya? Um, so... Uh, I'm just finishing my final year and uh, I will be starting my um, graduate role as a registered nurse uh, in March 2024. And I'm quite excited for it to, you know, finally not have uh, having to do assignments and just focus on clinical things. I'm quite excited for that. Uh, I'm giving myself the year to think about what next, what sort of pathway I want to choose. Uh, I definitely want to do postgrad, but it's the matter of which sort of pathway I want to choose. So I'm giving myself a lot of options on the table. Um, and But uh, I really want to continue to grow in that international education space where I have established those networks and connections through a lot of different opportunities. You know, I, 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 I didn't mention this, but like, Having that, uh, having received that award, it didn't give me uh, just the platform to be recognized. It gave me opportunity to connect with not only like industry members, but like people from Victorian government, which I don't think I ever imagined. So I really want to continue to grow in that space, grow my podcast and uh, make sure that I, you know, uh, now that I, I think I've come to a point where I actually guide international students to, you know, I, I, I want to be in that space and, yeah, sort of continue to grow in that area as well. Absolutely love that for you. And I cannot wait to see the things that you do. My last question for this episode, just wrapping up now, what is the one piece of advice that you would give international students? Um, well, I think uh, one piece of advice is uh, you're, if you're in Melbourne, you're in a state where you have so many opportunities and I know every international student looks at the opportunity to study abroad as a new chapter of their life. And uh, absolutely, this is the new season of you. You know, the, the first season was where you were in your home country. You did what you had to do. 
then you came you you made that decision to come here and this is the new season i honestly believe to think yourself as the main character of your story so this is the new season you've got a clean slate paint the picture that you want you've got resources opportunities to help you become what you want to don't and i on a, one thing i would say is don't let your career define you what you are you're in a place where your passions your hobbies your friends your family there's so much you can be so don't be just one thing when you can be so many more things absolutely love that thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you so much for having me prachi afri thanks for listening to idp real talk don't forget to follow us on spotify so you don't miss another episode see you next time